All right, welcome uh, the Young Turks. I got great interviews for you guys. You ready? Uh, let's go to a high castle. Let's go to the man in the high castle, or at least uh, folks that are on the show. Uh, Wyatt Price and Bell Mallory are here. Okay, fine, that's their characters' names. Okay, uh, Jason O'Mara, Francis Turner. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, you got fourth and final season coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to get into that in a second. I'm going to show the clips, but first, uh, I want to just go over the different stuff that you guys are in because whenever I have actors on the show, I tell them like, "Oh my God, I love that." <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Jason was on Band of Brothers. He, he played a bunch of really cool uh, folks, like George. Washington and the History Channel's uh, Sons of Liberty, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Jeffrey Mace, AKA the Patriot. Yeah, I like anybody with cool nicknames and loved Band of Brothers. So everybody watches different things, but oh, I couldn't get enough of Band of Brothers. I took a random, I've taken a bunch of random scenes from Band of Brothers and won't let it go. We still talk about it on the show. Like, Randomly, like when you guys are under fire and go forward, move forward, move forward. I don't know if you remember that scene. You've probably long forgotten, and you're gonna, you know, Shatner me. It was a tiny little project. (laughs) But um, including police that mustache, which I could say to you. Yeah, please do. Yeah, I'm. uh, Yeah, Movember. (laughs) Movember. That's okay, right? And so, Francis. uh, So, not only are you leading the the coolest rebellion ever against Nazis in 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 Man in the High Castle, but you're also Paula Turner in Fox's Marvel series, The Gifted. So you guys also have a Marvel connection. We do. Yeah. Oh yeah. Although I had no powers. You had no powers. <laughs> I had no powers. Oh, Francis. I was the wife of of the antagonist, Central Ooh. Services guy. Oh, okay, okay. We got to keep an eye on you. <laughs> uh, but I like anybody leading rebellions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was she was also on the gifted. Paula was kind of against what he was doing as well, so she's a fighter. A lot of fighters I play in their yeah. own, in their own, in her, you know, her own way. She's a fighter. Well, young Turks are all about fighters and all about rebellion, <laughs> so I love it. Actually, before we go to the clip, Francis, so last season, uh, and and now there's a rebellion led by black nationalists. Love it, love it. Okay, so wait till you see it. Yeah, well, we could use a little of that in real life, but we'll leave that aside. <laughs> um, anyway, so but what happens uh, for folks who haven't seen it? Well, Bell is a member of an underground black insurgent movement called the Black Communist Rebellion, and they have a very specific goal. They're fighting for their own homeland, their own territory, freedom from imperialism and Nazism. So they have a very specific goal in mind, which is really to be left alone by everyone. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that you see them go on that journey and how that morphs and who they need to, you know, partner with along the way. and. And you know where that ends up. So, for the folks who don't know, Man in the High Castle is an alternate uh, history where the Nazis have won. So that's trippy, uh, Jason. What are the feelings you? I mean, it's a funny question, but I, I really, what are the feelings you get out of actually being in the show? Because it's kind of you know, it's spooky, it's uh, it's chilling, um, but you know, you're you're knee deep in it. Yeah, I mean, I play a character who's who's when we first meet him in season three is sort of playing both sides against the middle. So he's he's a survivor who's learned survival tools, and he's trying to, I wouldn't say profit, but certainly trying to thrive in a in a very hostile environment. And he's moved to the neutral zone, so that's neither the the Nazi area or the Japanese imperial area. It's like right in the middle, and um, so he's 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 left the fight behind him. Once he meets this uh, woman, Juliana. 
um, it sort of reignites something in him and uh, he wants to pick up the fight again. So in answer to your question, I think as it progresses and he gets more invested, um, I got more invested myself as an actor. And um, by the end, when we get to season four and specifically toward the end, the last few episodes, it, got, it, gets, it gets dark before it gets lighter. And um, it, it got quite difficult, I have to say, because there were so many obstacles in their way and it seemed impossible and hopeless. And I think it's probably a testament to the human spirit. And that's that kind of story where somehow they were able to prevail and um, keep it together and persist. And that's the thing really that uh, allows them to have some element of victory towards the end. So Jason, it's interesting because you know, obviously, uh, there's stereotypes in Hollywood for certain minorities, African Americans, Latinos, Arabs, certainly Muslims, etc. But I feel like the unspoken stereotype is, or typecasting is wild Irishmen. <laughs> <laughs> like where yeah. you can't quite tell where their loyalties are. It's true in yeah. Braveheart, it's yeah. true in a lot of movies. Yeah. And, but then, but the good news is they almost always come through with that. Yeah, <laughs> do you, do you, have you had that? You know, have you seen that in your life? I have. I haven't. I've been very lucky. I played a lot of uh, Americans in my career, especially since coming here, and you know, since Band of Brothers, pretty much. Um, so this was a rare occasion where I got to use my own accent. I think I initially felt like I had to move away from Ireland because I was afraid of being stereotyped as the the wild priest. But now Andrew Scott's made that sexy again from Fleabag season two. <laughs> so like we're, we've gone full circle. Um, so no, actually, actually, it was kind of a rare, a rare opportunity for me to use my own accent, believe it or not. Did you lean into the accent? Did you make it thicker? A little bit here and there <laughs> when, when he needed to, like dealing with the drug dealers and trying to kind of talk his way out of yeah. situations. Mm -hmm. You know, I have to talk my way into uh, the the BCR, not into the BCR, but into your favor, yeah, let's say, into our favor, yeah. because I need the BCR a lot more than they need me. Yeah. So uh, yeah, he has to use anything at his disposal, any tool at his disposal. He leans to into to. you know not being. Not being of the the the, the Reich or not being of the GPS. Yeah. he leans into like yeah. you know I'm different. Yeah. I'm different too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm different to all the other guys. Yeah. yeah, and in a sense, the Irish have been different for a long, long time. True, <laughs> right? True. Uh, don't make me do my Irish accent. Okay, let's see. Uh, <laughs> I didn't say <laughs> Don't make me do it. Don't make me do it. Okay, there were a few Guinnesses short here of uh, getting into that territory. <laughs> okay, let's take a quick look at a clip. The Black Communist Rebellion's mission is self-defense and self-determination for black people. I've got a network of fighters waiting to be activated. We just need arms to get back in the fight. We don't do business with white people. Before I was in the JPS, I was in the Reich. Before that, Jim Crow, Alabama. Everything changed for you in 45, but not so much for us. We survived by trusting no one outside our community. Bro, we know he could be a mole for the Reich. Hold on, I can vouch for him, okay? He's the one who spread the film everywhere. That film ain't nothing but white nonsense, Lam. Have you seen it? Huh? It changes people's minds. It gets recruits. We're at war, brother. We ain't got time for Abinson's cult. Sure, I don't think you want to win. Oh, really? Yeah, I think you want to die for a cause. I think you want to be martyrs. What makes you think you know so much about us? Because if you wanted to win, you'd be working with me.
Ah, I like it. <laughs> we, teed, we teed that clip up pretty well, didn't we? We did. Yeah, Look yeah, at yeah. that. Yeah, we're, we're, we're all smooth here. <laughs> as you can see, it's a pretty uneasy alliance. Yes. Yeah. You can call it up. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting, Francis, because um, Look, uh, the Watchmen on HBO now has a similar theme as the one that was just mentioned in that clip, which is uh, the in that uh, show, the Nazis drop leaflets on uh, African American soldiers uh, that are coming to fight against them, saying, you know, America's not really on your side. And so that was alluded to over there. And so, uh, you know, I don't want to stretch it too much, uh, but uh, but there's been a sense of resistance. In the African American community for a long time, uh, by necessity. Yeah. Um, you know, did that help inform you at all here? Or well, I think it. Well, it's. You know, it's such a. I think it's a welcome addition to the show and bringing in the dynamic of a group that was already marginalized before the events of the war, mm. and so their fight is is very different. You know, they were not. Treated equally, seen as equally, you know, it was, it was Jim Crow prior to the the Allied powers losing the war. So, you know, what are we fighting for? What are you guys fighting for? You know, what you guys want is, isn't the same thing that we want. Yeah. So, and I also believe personally that the most, you know, the marginalized communities, when they fight for their freedom and their liberation, they tend to liberate everyone. Um, so I, I, I just, I think the BCR and the, the, the story of the African American experience, the, the, the experience of the black population through the eyes of Belle Mallory is, it's, it's such a welcome addition to the show and injects a new energy and a new fight. Yeah, look, uh, this isn't your politics, but my politics. I used to be a Republican, and one of the things that began to swing me was a uh, speech by Jesse Jackson about his dad. Uh, and he said that uh, his dad had enlisted, went and fought in World War II, and he captured a bunch of Nazis, and he had to sit behind the Nazis in the train. Mm. <sighs> That's powerful. I mean, that uh, that took the wind out of me. Uh, and so I think the show's doing an interesting job of showing an interesting, different reality, and it's a reality. Right. Uh, you know, and that portion of it is the rest is obviously imagined, and so it's powerful. But uh, just last thing, I wanted to get a sense of how you guys got into acting in the first place. Let's lighten it up, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so Jason, Ireland. Uh, you know, I don't know what the traditions are. Like when I told my parents I, I'm Turkish immigrant, hey, I'm going to talk show host, they were like, no. Okay, what was the reaction in your family? How'd you get into it? My mother was always quite encouraging because she'd take me to the theater and take me to the movies, and it was really through her that I got a, gained an interest in performance. Um, and she was always encouraging me to do like the school play and stuff like that. But it was, yeah, my father I think was less enthusiastic. He wanted me to get a proper job and be able to fend for myself. And you know, in many ways, he wasn't wrong. Uh, you know, you don't want your kids to have to take on some sort of. Um, Vocational work or, or or artistic work because it can be a burden and it can be very unpredictable. But I think once I was able to show that I could make a living and and be independent, he was like, okay. And then started to see some of the stuff I was doing, and he was like, yeah, actually, he might be all right, this guy. So yeah, was there a moment where uh, your father thought, oh, okay, he's got a proper job? <laughs> I think it was a moment. Yeah, I think it was a moment when I was in London. And he came to see one of one of the plays I did at the West End, or maybe it was. The Royal Shakespeare Company or somewhere, and he was like, "Okay, yeah, he's meant to be doing this." 
And I think that's what I'd say to all actors who are starting out, like just make sure it's the thing you most want to do because if you're good at anything else, you should probably just do that. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's not that encouraging. Anyway, Francis, and uh, so let's end on you on that. So where'd you grow up and how'd you get into acting? I'm from uh, New Rochelle, New York, and mm -hmm. my story is interesting in the sense that I'm actually a lawyer turned actor. Oh, so okay. I'm a lawyer turned talk show. <laughs> See, so. there you go. So yeah. not That's many of my laws. law school friends or lawyer friends are still actually practicing. Yeah. But, but I, um, you know, I grew up as a child saying I wanted to be an actor, like all kids. And I asked my mom to take me to get headshots when I was in the fifth grade. And you know, we never did anything with them. But academics took over. I come from an academic family, and I went to Cornell undergrad. I went to Georgetown Law School. I practiced at very big law firm in Manhattan practicing corporate law and and I knew that wasn't the the what I wanted to do for the rest of my life I was a good lawyer but I wasn't passionate enough about it to work the way lawyers work um, and maintain that lifestyle of working all the time and so I said well I'll figure out what I want to do next as a lawyer let me get back to that creative side that I hadn't been nurturing right because of I didn't have the time to and just Confluence event of events led me to a woman named Susan Batson, who's Nicole Kidman's coach and still her coach. And she's worked with a lot of just fabulous actors. And I found my way to her studio in New York City and she changed my life. <laughs> yeah, well, that's great. Yeah. That's great. Look, guys, uh, one thing that connects all of our stories is that you got to do what you love. Otherwise, you won't be able to work hard enough at it. I had the same experience as you did as a lawyer. I, I just, I didn't like it enough to work hard enough to get good at it, yeah. right? Yeah. Whereas I love this, and and so the fifteen hour days go by a little quicker, right. right? And it's okay to pivot. You know, I think that's the the lesson in my story. It's okay to pivot, but no, if you pivot, you have to do the work. That's hundred percent right. Yeah. That's right. As Mark Twain says, if you find something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. That's right. There you go. All right, Jason O'Mara, Francis Turner, the man in the high castles. The show. Thank you so much for joining Thank us. You. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. We'll be right back.